Hey, what's going on everybody? It's John, Bam Bam the dog. Uh, first, on behalf of both of us and everybody from the Real Ones team, I just wanna sincerely thank you guys for, for, for tuning in. The folks that I bring on the show, they're family to me, and uh, being able to tell their stories and bringing you into their world is something I'm, I'm just super proud of and uh, again, grateful that you guys tune in. We've decided we wanna take things just a step further. We're gonna introduce a Patreon community. And basically what that means is if you become part of this community, look, I already bored Bam Bam. If you wanna become a part of this community, you're gonna be able to hear episodes early and all that, ad-free and all that good stuff, but there's all this behind the scenes footage, all this stuff that we've shot um, that really brings you into the folks that we've had on the show, really brings you into their world. You're gonna be able to do live chats with me and the folks that I bring on the show to talk about their world, talk about the issues that they're dealing with, about their triumphs and their tragedies. Just go to Patreon slash Real Ones on this website that you see right there, right on the screen, that's right in front of you. This whole idea was um, something about building bridges and, 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 and bringing people together and um, bringing folks that often don't get the mic and, and giving the mic to them. So the fact that you guys tune in means the world. Anyways, again, thank you. Uh, be good to each other out there. Rock and roll. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, you know, I appreciate y'all uh, sitting down with me, I guess. Um, you know, Sean, I just want to start with you. Just kind of tell us who you are, why you're here, and um, you know where you're from. I'm from uh, Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. I ended up moving to Shreveport, Louisiana, when I was younger. Yep. Um, and in that mix, my my dad passed away, and I kind of grew up in the hood. So I got involved in a lot of you know a lot of hood shit. I got involved, uh, and so you know, crime stuff like that. When you're from the hood, it's kind of like these. You, you're growing up with hyenas. Everybody's poor, so there's no there's no one bad. Poverty is evil. That's, you know what I mean? That's the, that's the type of mentality was poverty was the devil. So in that mix, I started uh, switching over to entertainment um, because that's the music is part of the culture. And um, I ended up meeting Big Papa and um, Big Papa was happening. He was representing the Bottom Boys and he was more of a second generation. And Big Papa became regionally famous uh, in Shreveport. Our biggest thing was A Bay Bay, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, hand clap. These are things that kind of went nationwide. And I was in the, in the mix at that particular but time. But Big Papa, he was on. He wasn't on that Bay Bay. He, he, he was he on the remix. Um, well, thing is, so Big Papa actually wrote um the hand clap. So oh, you, really? you'll see him in the yeah. Yeah, so, I seen him in the video. Yeah, yeah you'll see him yeah. in the video, but he still he still gets you know mechanical checks. So yeah, he was, okay, he's part of the writer of it, which uh I love it. So he's you know he just never was able to build that that big uh, fan base. Mm -hmm. And so ultimately, um, you know, that's where I first heard about the Bottom Boys or the Bottom because that's where he's from. And then it led me, uh, Bam got out. And I, you know, at that point I had transitioned completely into more film, advertising, marketing. And so I'm still helping Papa, still working with Big Papa. And he tells me about Bam. And um, I got a chance to uh, to meet Bam. How'd y'all meet? Big Papa called me and we, we met at WAC, you know, WAC Babies. And it was, it was a crazy experience because um, uh, Papa was like, man, um, I need you to talk to Bam. You know, I, I know you can help him out. And he knew what I did. I had worked on a documentary uh, with Fox and Rob, which was you know nominated for an Oscar. And it was time. Time uh -huh. on, on Amazon Prime, and you know I worked with them from the time they got out of jail, and just helping them uh, build the sizzle reel and, and just marketing promotion. And so I had some background, and and so I met with Bam, and I, I'll never forget. I was sitting at the uh, at the barbecue shop, and. Um, we were just talking, and every five, 10 minutes, a car, someone pulls up, a car pulls up, and they're like, 
hey, bam, you remember me? Like we couldn't have a conversation. We couldn't have a full conversation because I'm talking about every five minutes, someone was coming up, taking pictures. And I'm like, he was like a prophet. You know what I mean? That's what it felt like the way that people were just paying so much homage. And so he starts telling me, you know, some of his stories, that first instance, and I'm just sitting here like, like, is this, is this real? Like, are you serious? Like this ain't, you know what I mean? Like I, could, I couldn't believe it. It sounded like a, a movie was just pouring out his mouth. So it was a mixture of what what he was actually saying, the stories he was saying, and, and then just the, the amount of love and reverence that folks were showing him. And you know, it's crazy for me, because again, bam, not to talk about you like you ain't here, man, because you most definitely here, but you, you, know, f you know, for me, it's like 10 years coming to this community and, and getting enormously close with a lot of these folks and bam, bam, you know, I mean, he just lives in every single conversation. He lives in the heart. He lives in the, 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 the energy of the story that's been sort of so important to me and these folks that I love so much. So um, what do you see in, in, in Bam that um, I know right now you're, you're dedicating a lot to, to, try to, to, to try to get a message out and get his voice out? What do you see? Um, what I saw was somebody that had spent 27 years locked up and still had a heart that still was concerned about their community. That's what I was like, you know, that was one of his things. Like, we have a real big problem here in, in violence in Shreveport. And he was he was like, I want to do something about it. And um, I was I was like, you got to be a, 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 a really intense character to still want to, you know, I mean, he wanted to he wanted to right his wrongs. You know, I mean, he wanted to be able to to, uh, to pay it forward. And I'm like, I'm down. You know, what I mean, like, you know, what I mean, I, you know, I try to help people when I can. But when you talk about helping the kids, like, you know, that's part of being a man to me that, you know, part of being a man is not just, you know, taking care of your family, it's making sure your community, you know, what I mean, um, you can't call yourself a king if there's this bullshit all around, you know, that, you know, that's your kingdom. And so I realized Bam was he was concerned about the environment. And I'm like, cool, man, I'm, I'm down, you know, what I mean, and so it was just we became we, we, we became brothers ultimately, man. He, you know, he's. He, you know, I, I've learned a lot from him as far as like um, he, he just has nat this natural wisdom. It's really weird to me because um, I asked him, where'd you learn this from? You know, what I mean, where, you know, what I mean, and he's like, no. he just and I every time I meet him, I walk away and be like, damn, like, you know, what I mean, what the hell? Mm -hmm. So from an early age, man, who, who, who do you think when you think about like the if there's one or two people that that, that had enormous influence on you, who would that be? Uh, probably would be my one of my old heads, Sandy Lee Bates. He couldn't read or write, but he had what they call good mother wit. And he always, different rules. Don't disrespect old people. If you see an old person with the bags, go help them, told them. This, all, all these basic rules that he used to always lay down. But like I said, he couldn't read or write. I used to go, when he buy a car, I used to go with him and sign for the car. He always, he'll look at it. Now, let me look at it, man. Yeah, it seemed about right to me. What you think? And mm -hmm. then I look at it and I said, yeah, maybe it's a little bit too much on this. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Mm -hmm. And then we signed <laughs> off on But he couldn't he couldn't read or write. But he still, he got, he had a good heart and he had good mother with him. He'll fight at the drop of a hat. But uh, he always respected people and always tried to try to give back to people. You know, he couldn't stand to see children go without. And uh, he always tried to give back. So and that very much fed in the spirit of the bottoms. I mean, that was that exactly because, was... you know, he was old. He was a bottom boy. And that's that 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 whole neighborhood that embodied the way we was. How we cared about each other and cared about the people and tried to look out for each other. 
when you trace it back, when you look back, is there anything that you know you you, you would look at sort of a first sort of um, instance that, that that led you in a in a single direction or sort of the course of your life going on? Like, how did you first get into the game? Basically, to get in. I mean, I guess I'd say I got into the game helping the dudes out of my neighborhood because unfortunately I was in the bottom that used to be all red light district. And so, like I told you before, it used to be old whole houses and prostitute and all that. And so we, most of the people down there couldn't afford to live anywhere else. Yeah. But yet still they had that, that family thing going. And back then they actually, we used to, at that time, I didn't have to do it because my mom was working three jobs and trying to send me to private school. But uh, the guys around me, I my mom used to buy this this long bologna and these ice potatoes, big hundred pound sacks of ice potatoes. I used to actually have to go in there and cut the dudes bologna sandwiches because they didn't they didn't have nothing to eat at their house. And some of the guys back then, their idea of going clothing shopping was going to the YMCA, finding somebody who got a jacket on that fit them, and that was gonna be their school jacket. So they end up taking the jacket and going on. So they was doing that and I. I pulled them up. I didn't need it, but I pulled them up and said, well, hold on, man. Y'all even y'all go up there to dance and y'all come back with one jacket. I said, I, I said, I said, that don't make sense. I said, this is what we'll do. We'll go up there. Let's go around. We're going to get puny. We're going to go around. We're going to look around. Everybody look at somebody, get what they, make sure they got what they want, what they need to wear, what they got. And then I'm going to have puny to flick the lights at 10 o'clock, at, at 10 minutes to 12. When he flicked the light at 10 minutes to 12, everybody go get by their man. And then at 12 o'clock, he gonna turn the light off. Everybody get what they want. All 12 of us get what they want. All 12 of us, we take on off. We meet by the bridge behind Jed's Club. Everybody meet up behind the bridge with what you got. If it's one person left behind, we going back up there and we getting them. We ain't gonna leave them there for them to get jumped on. So we going back. So we come down there and we ain't with 11 bus down there. We stashing what we got and we going back up there and get whoever left and bring them back out, so. And so doing stuff like that, people thought, oh man, well, I kind of come up, man, full of bam. He, he'll fight a little bit, but he uh, he know a little something. So that started, then people start coming to you for more and more for different advice on different situations. Well, how would you do this? And how would you do this here? And so it, like, so you got a lot of dudes smarter than me down there, but I just, at that time, that's, that's pretty much how I got started with that, helping people out, because I really didn't need it to do. My mom was, a bartender, a seamstress, and she worked at a at a Joseph Cleaners. You just always had ideas. You just saw situations, and it just be, was clear to you. Yeah, I, I was. I would look at a situation and say, okay, then, okay, it's got to be able to be done better. Yeah, it, it's got to be. You know, this you missing this. You leaving too much on the table here. Too much being left on the table here. You can do the same thing, and you can achieve this much. That's how. If I if I go into a problem. Even when I do it successfully, if I do something successfully and everything I did right and I do it in 30 minutes, then now I'm trying to figure out how to do it for 20 minutes. And that was from a young age. Yeah. That's from a young age. That's, and what was your first sort of real mix up with the law? Like what, what was the, the, the first time that you got sentenced to something? Well, I actually used to sometimes breaking cars and stuff, right? But on this time here that I ended up getting caught, I, I, hadn't, broken, I hadn't broken the car. So what I did was I was cross town at at 15. I used to go cross town. I was at the club, at the back of the club. Lady used to let me, cause I used to sell her stuff, but she used to let me be at the back of the club. 
and I would be by the door. So if the police come in, I can go out the back door and going on. So I was drinking, I'd buy stuff from them because I had a few dollars then. So anyway, I'm coming from the club and I'm walking by Bill Hannah Ford and one of our little partners, I see him, he breaking in the car. So the police had been, been following me from the time I left the Ebony Club around by the track and they been following me. So I said, okay, they know I ain't did nothing, but I always used to, since I was 12, I used to keep a little 22 or in G22 on me. So I'm walking and going on. So I swear I ain't did nothing. Ain't no need for me running. So the guy, when I'm walking by the graveyard, the guy, he he on he on he's squatting down by the car. The police officer? No, no, no. A the guy who breaking in cars. Breaking the cars, okay. Yeah, on ML, he dead now. Rest in peace. But he was squatting down. But he's he was actually if I was thirteen, then he couldn't be no more than by twelve. But he was so he's he's a big kid. So they actually thought he was a grown man. But anyway, long story short, he was stooping down by the car, and I said, and so he said, bam, bam, what the police doing? I said, man, they just. They just riding on by, man. Just stay where you at. You good. You stay right where you at. Just stay right there. And I'm there to talk to him and walking. And then by the time I get there to him, he jump up and take off running. So he jump up and take off running. I have to take off running. I take off running. Then I go put the gun under the house. And then I walk back because I know the police ain't, ain't seen me do nothing. So they come pull Melvin. So they say, who is the man that was with you? Who is the grown man? We don't want you want the grown man. I said, man, I don't know who dude was. Dude took off running, I took off running. I thought somebody was chasing him. They thought they were chasing me. So went on down there and they took me down there and they uh they kept asking me who the man was if I just tell them who the man was. But the dude who it was actually younger than me. So anyway, they uh they said, where you been? I said, well, I've been over here 15 years, probably 15, 14, 15 years ago. I said, I said, I've been over here there in the club. I've been over here drinking. The lady can verify. I've been over there drinking all night. Man, she they took me to Ebony Club. Police pulled up and told Miss Eula May, said, we got this 15-year-old boy, so he been sitting over here drinking all night and going on. She said, baby, I ain't never seen him before a day in my life. <laughs> they took me took me to jail and gave me a uh, butt because my hand, my fingerprint wasn't on nothing. I knew I, I hadn't did it. So they telling me, take a year. I said, take a year for what? I ain't did nothing. I said, get the stuff, check everything out. My fingerprint not going to yeah. be on nothing. And because I took them to trial, they gave me juvenile life. They and gave you juvenile life? Juvenile life. Yep. That was until I was 21, but I did two years. I, they say I could have got out in a year if I hadn't been fighting, but I ended up doing two years because I was angry at the system, angry at everything. The source of that anger was because you were in there for the wrong nothing. reason. Yeah, I hadn't did nothing. And it was literally about that. Like yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, so yeah. then when you got in there, when, when you got when you got in there, can you just walk me through that? What that was like to be in that situation? Well, and and thinking you have life in there? Well, yeah, when I when I had juvenile life to to it would be it was to I was twenty one. Yeah. So I got in there, like I said, I had all this anger and people already had knew me from some of the dudes had knew me from the streets. So I said, Well, okay, if this they finna be my home, then I'm finna make it as best as I could. So I seen a couple of people who was from the other end of town and how they was handling everything and going on. And I let them gave me a regular clothes. They gave me a regular clothes for probably about, I think I took those regular clothes for about two months until they got me enough screwdrivers over there, got us enough screwdrivers and sharpened the screwdrivers up. When they tried to give me the regular clothes, on the third week, I just got up on the table and went over, crawled behind the table, got them, 
got the clothes and got my homeboy to nice press persons come to the table and pass them out to them. Old dude, Anthony Dixon. Man, what you doing? So when he grabbed my turn around, started hitting him with the with the screwdriver, start hitting him, then turn around, start hitting nothing. Went to ESTU, come out, started right back, and after then, they got the way. I sit at the table, I was the only somebody listening to rock and roll music. I sit at the table, some of the little white kids would come around and ask me, could they sit and listen to the rock and roll with me? I sit there, they had gave me my own table, and from there on, it's the same thing. But I seen I seen the way they was handling everybody in the unit, so I said, "Well, this problem got to be fixed." I know I can't live here like that, so I mean, how so? What did you see? What 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 was the thing that you weren't? Well, on the guys from I don't like to say which part of town, but they was from another part of Louisiana, and that part of Louisiana sometimes would get into it with our part of Louisiana in the state, and so. They were basically running everything, and a few homeboys I had in there, they wasn't really stepping up. So they was like running everything, and they was bogarting, they was giving us garbage. They was treating us like country boys, that they call. Anybody in between the big cities, they call them country boys. So they was treating us like country boys, like the big cities had a shower, like got three showers. That's for the biggest city, that's for the next biggest city, and the country boys use the shower in the middle. So. They was treating us, they basically were treating us like country boys and going on. So I Did I, that stick? Huh? Did you stay in that country boy shower or did it change? Oh no, no, I ain't no no. I as soon as I got there, as soon as I did that demonstration then going on, I, I sit I got in that end shower, made that street boy shower. They got to keep their oven, but I, I I still left them a spot because if I had to took their spot, then I would have had to keep on going back and forth with them. But by me letting them have their spot and then confiscating a spot for us, then they, they sell, as long as they still had somewhere to go, they didn't have to continue to try to buck it. That time in juvenile, like how, how did that sort of shape your life? How did that shape your- Well, having juvenile life, at, at that time, it's just like having life in the penitentiary. You don't, you don't see, hey, they gonna hold me till I'm 21. There's nothing, I'm, nothing I can do. Why, why be good and have good conduct? Cause there's no incentive for me. Getting my marriage don't mean nothing to me because this judge, Judge Taylor, kept everybody today with 21. That's what I was told. For something you didn't even do in the yeah, first place. Yeah, something I didn't even do. And I ain't even pulled a bid in there. So I was basically like, okay, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to make myself as comfortable here as possible. So I went there and they started sending me to uh, see Dr. Thrashing, a psychiatrist, because they were saying I was having anger, anger problems. But were you angry? Yeah, I was angry at, at being locked up for something I didn't do. Out of all the stuff I done done, if I had been locked up for something I, something I did, I would have been cool with that. I mean, I, I would, I'd have took that one year and got on out their way. But I didn't think I was supposed to have to take nothing time. And I ain't saying I didn't do nothing, but I didn't do nothing that time. Right. And I know for a fact I didn't do nothing that time. So I'm like, how can they, how can they convict me? I, I know it. What I've heard from so many folks around here is just if you're coming from this community, in the first place, you're pretty much just, you're being hunted anyways. You're being hunted by the police. So if it wasn't one thing, it's going to be another. And this just must have been just sort of the, the reality of that sitting in, huh? Once they find out, if, if, if when they ask for your address and, and your address is out there at bottom, they pretty much, you done did whatever they said you done did. And just like I said, that's why I gravitated to certain songs. Like when I heard with the NWA talking about they 
association with the police and their interaction with the police is more, it mimics more my interaction with the police than the stuff that I have been hearing, hearing and seeing on TV in these suburban communities and going on where they go out here and shake the police hand and police wave at them when they passing by mm -hmm. and going on. That didn't happen down there in my neighborhood. And when you're in, did you have any more trouble in juvie, or was pretty much everything set after that? I, I think uh, sometimes I I would I I think I would just I didn't have nobody challenging me. Sometimes I just I would probably do something to keep my name yeah. keep my name out there, let them know that I hadn't got soft. Cause sometimes people start people start trying to go home, and other people, and as the system is designed, well, and 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 the criminal side of the system is when you see somebody to go home no matter just like even in the state when you see somebody ready to go home that can turn that person no matter how dangerous that person is now that person got too much got something to lose yeah so you can come to a person who you know are putting in work and be like say man you leaving man let me get them shoes let me get this or that. Let me get that there from you. You ain't ain't no need you taking them to the street, man. Let me get these up off you. And then, all right, well, then, man, you know, I grabbed these. I'm going to get these shoes up off you, man. You know, you stab me, I stab you. I got all day. You know, they're going to charge both of us. You know what I'm saying? Did that happen? Uh, no, nah, it, it ain't never happened to me, but I know I have seen dudes do, do people like that because the person got to think now, okay, if this dude come with a knife and I stab him, and they charge both of us. He got life. I'm gonna end up getting three more years yeah. or five more years over some stuff that I don't, I don't want anyway. That's right. But that's why you generally have to have old heads or people around, like I, I'll say myself, that that's not gonna let that happen. Because once my homeboys or somebody I fool with get close to the door, then I'm pretty much putting protection on it. You're looking out for them. Yeah, on our that's the right thing. I, I ain't lying them getting nothing. And I, I got their back. I got somebody assigned to get their back. I'm not lying. You know, they ain't got to do no fighting for themselves. If you touch their stuff, then you ain't got to worry about them. You got to worry about me. But as far as that, that's what that's that's what you do. That's the antidote to that. You know, you always have somebody like, hold on, man. He ain't got to. He through. He he out. He don't he don't do no more. I do all his fighting from now on. So what your problem is? And dude be like, do the fall back. So you get two. Yeah, and you and you were out in two years. Uh, in, in juvenile, when yeah. I do, yeah, I did two years. Got out when I was seventeen. And then you're back on the back, back, back out in the bottoms. Had the bottoms changed by the time you got out? It, no, what it is, my eyes got. I think I got. Uh, it's it's like the Matrix thing. Yeah, you know the movie The Matrix. Yeah, well, you probably done played it. Nah, <laughs> not but, but, man. But the movie The Matrix, my eyes was open because when I went in there. Well, I was going to, I was still going to private school and stuff. That's another reason I used to get away with lots of cause I used to have my uniform on. But when I went, now, when I went to jail, that first time in jail, and I, mind you, I was still a little nervous cause I had, it was somewhere I had never been. No matter how tough you say you is, until you done broke that cycle, that hymen, your first time in there, you still wondering what I'm gonna do in this situation. Can I handle this situation? What did this happen? So you still, but that fear, once you get in there and you see you can handle that situation, now your thought is, hey, shit, i do this again. Your first night, like say when you went to the penitentiary, you're you're nervous or you're scared. How do you know that you're not? Because you see everybody, you see the situation, you, you, you got to break through it. Your dudes, gonna, dudes who 
when you're in the detention center, most of the dudes you're around, they're gonna pretty much who have already been there. They're gonna they gonna kinda give you a little scoop. Hey man, watch do watch your dude gonna try, your dude gonna see, you know, cause in our state joint, they don't care about you. If you a gorilla, you was a gorilla out there, we gonna see, they gonna test you. They gonna see if you steal that same gorilla they heard about. And when you when they test you and you turn out to be that same gorilla, then okay. But then you ain't just gonna get by off your word. They don't, they don't care, even going from pen to pen. But when you get there, like I said, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to make a demonstration. You're gonna have to somebody's gonna try you, and if they don't try you, you're gonna go off over the smallest little thing so you can make an example out of somebody in order to let them know. Listen, man, if I go out behind a toothpick, you know good and well what I do about messing with anything else in my locker. So you pretty much, you got to do that, what they call preemptive strike or, or preemptive move to make people say, whoa, get back, man. So this this philosophy or this this way of moving that you learned for being locked up for something that you didn't do, did you then take that mentality out oh, into it the moves, streets? It moves everywhere, but what I was finished tell you about the matrix aspect of it is I was in I was fooling with little lightweight dudes I was fooling with little lightweight dudes maybe occasionally car burglar here or, or maybe a dude who uh, stole some candy here or went up to the thing and stole a jacket or beat up somebody and took a jacket those are the dudes I was dealing with at first now when I got plugged into the algorithm or, or when they took me to, to farm school and I got in farm school and I started making a name in farm school. Now the people that came into my circle, my circle got so wide. Now you got dudes had and did everything. Dudes from bank robbers to, to murderers and stuff like that. They was children, but they were still, they, they was way up to, they way up to pecking on. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, those dudes I didn't fool with at first, but now though, I done got introduced to these dudes through the system. So now when I came out, my, my whole arena had broadened. Well, it was just hang right here. Now I got all these dudes and we walking around, we walking around and doing everything and representing the bottom and everything. So my it really it really connected me with more more criminal types than I had been been privy to before going there. So it pretty much opened that door for me. You know what I'm saying? It just opened the door, different dudes and everybody doing this and everybody doing this and going on. So it, it blew the doors wide open for me. And that opened the door for me to go on to the penitentiary. Did you go to the penitentiary before the raid? Like, was Yeah, it yeah, yeah. I've been, I had been tw twice before the raid. I went for um, aggravated arson, temp second degree. Uh, then I went for. Tell them how many people they had you for. Well, they said the judge that, said this is a crazy story. He said it was, he said it was sixty to eight. First, he said I think he said sixty something. Then he said eighty people was in the club. So uh, that's that's they were giving me tip murder on the people that was in the club. What was that? What, what was that story? What, what, what happened there? Um, me, the guy who owned the club used to mess with this young girl who I used to mess with back in the days. And so she had a room and she invited me over and she invited me over and uh, we we did our thing. After we did our thing, she told me, I got these him from such and such a dude. She had some dope from the dude. She got it, got she got this. I said, he got you selling dope? She, I said, she said, yeah, well, he telling me I can keep this and going on like that there. So I took him. I, I said, you ain't gonna be selling no dope with him and nobody else. So I, I, I took him and it went on. So a week later, 
I was down at his club buying a drink for another lady, and I was buying a drink for him. He like, get out of my club. I, I said, got your club for what? You owe me for that mirror down there. You, you broke that mirror when you, when you and Lightning were fighting down here two weeks ago. I said, man, you ain't said nothing to me about this mirror all of a sudden now. I said, well, I paid for half of it because his head the one broke it too. So I, I, I said, I paid for I said, I'll pay for half of it. He like, no, you so but it really was about the girl we called Sweet Lucy. So I said, so so he had a he had a 357 with a long bear, and all I had on me was 25 automatic. And when I get mad, I cry. So he 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 pulled, he said, You ain't gonna get out of my club. I said, man, you gonna pull a gun on me over a girl? And then I like, okay, I can't. 25 automatic don't match up with that. So I walked on outside and seen a dude. Made him take me to the gas station. I put some gas in the ballers, put the gas in the ballers, and I came back and I got the long nail by D Witch, D Witch uh, Motor Shop. I got the long nails, and I figured I, I figured he'd be occupied trying to get get out of there, and that'll distract him. Then I'd be able to run up on the side of him and shoot him. So, so I put the nails in the front, then I put the nails in the side. So I went in the back. Hang on, you you put the nails in the door? Yeah. And while they were in the club? Yeah. So you so you went to the store. I was a gas station. You sorry, you went to the gas station. You made you made yourself like what? Like a Molotov Molotov cocktail. Then you went back to the door and you you hammered the door? No, I, I stuck the nail in in the lock thing. Oh, got I, you. And I bend it. So So they so couldn't get out. They couldn't get out. Then yeah. I went to the side and bend it. Then I bend it there. So I went back to the back. When I went back to the back. And uh, it was like, that's what all the gray bells and stuff at with the uh, beer ballers and, and, and cans back there. So when I came, when I came through the back door, I lit the first one and threw it behind the bar. Lit the second one threw it behind the DJ thing. Then I lit the third one and threw it in the middle. Then I go to run out the, now I took the third one and I throw it back there. And when I throw it back there, that's when that stuff blew up back there. And so when it blew up back there, it's something gonna have burned. If you see the picture when I went, when they finally caught me, I went, oh my hell, no eyebrows, no nothing. Cause it had burnt all that out. Cause I guess that them fumes from that, them cans and stuff down there had, I guess they had caught fire, whatever. They knocked, it knocked me back out the door. So by the end time I wake up and I run around there, they done kicked the door open. So when they kicked the door open, I see him running and going on, so I run beside him and, and I caught him and I accidentally caught Stanmo. I think caught Stanmo in the neck and I caught him in the face. And, but then I went in hiding and I was hiding over, over on Laura. And then I was over there doing all right. Then nobody too much know me to a dude come by there. What's up, Bam Bam? Ain't nothing. Then some dude started hollering, but he wasn't scared of Bam Bam. And, End up shooting him, and so they, I guess he called the police on me because they come from every angle. The next day I come up there, they come from every angle. That's when they put the dog on me. I ran behind the rider company, and when I ran behind the rider company, I ditched the gun, and when I was coming up the trail, I felt something snatch me. I never heard no dog, but something snatched me, and when it snatched me, it turned around at the dog, so when the dog, he kept jumping up trying to grab me, and I'm Slanging him back down, but as soon as I throw him down, he jumped right back up during seven. So I slanged down again. So I remember that King Kong movie. So I was trying to scratch his mouth and pull his mouth. So by then, the police had went around. They went around by the rider company, went around the bridge, and they came around there and they draw down on me and made me lay down. 
And that's when the police said, this bastard done, bastard done told Lord Mouth. And, and, and he slapped his side and said something in German. And then when the dog started biting me on my neck, I was handcuffed on the ground. The dog started, started biting me on my neck. All I could do was tighten up my neck because I didn't want him to tear nothing, get in nothing loose so yeah, he could yeah, shake yeah, it. Yeah. So then I went, went that, that's when I, they locked me up for that and the other shooting. While I was in jail, about a week, two weeks later, my mama sent me the newspaper clipping showing that the dog Lord had been retired. They had to retire him after his last incident chasing Sebastian Richardson because the dog had now refused to go in any area behind. They had several times, they had people under the house and they couldn't get the dog to go in. Dog didn't want to make, the, the dog was That's what done. the newspaper clipper said. And they was talking about how much the dog cost cause they'd get them from Germany and, the and, they, and they training and all that. And they were talking about how much one little dog called. They charged me with assault on officer for that. Man, you said, uh, you said when you get mad, you cry? Yeah, and I get angry, I, I, yeah, I generally, you generally see some tears come down my eye before I re react. What do you think that is? I don't know, crazy maybe. <laughs> nah, I don't know. Right now, my eyes just so weak from all that gas right now, but I, I always been like that. Mm. And then my second time I went to jail before the raid was when I, the guys let their friend get, let one of their friends get killed. And uh, I told them I didn't respect them no more, so don't be throwing their sign at my car. And they, that's after my mom had died and I was drinking at Cisco. So my girl had just bought me a 78 rear ever with the with that, that real, 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 real drive. I was finna drive to the house, and that, that's when that Cisco told me, said, you scared? I said, scared. So I went and drove back by the store again, and they throwed they sign at my car, and I ran the car into the stove, jumped out, the car hit, and went in the stove, got out, got in the firefight. I got hit here, here, and here. And uh, I got two, they dropped it down to just, uh two aggravated batteries for the two dudes. They never did, they gave me two aggravated batteries, but the two dudes got shot. They had, I think they were wanted for some murders up in California. They they hit town. But I ain't give I got 18 months for that. You know, that was my last bid before they come did. And I got out in 91 for that. And, and uh, when you get out of that, and you're back on the streets again, you know, you're back and that, that sort of, is that sort of in the height of everything that was going on with the bottoms? I mean, there was a lot of money being made in the bottoms at that point. Yeah, it was, dudes, dudes had a plan. A lot of stuff that I, I was getting into wasn't general, general bottom boy stuff. You know what I'm saying? It was general, it'd be something that I, I get mad about or something I think should have been held in a different way. It's, it's, it's always about like kind of, it seems like it's with you, it's like, it's about emotion or 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 uh, somebody violating a code or about pressing yeah. it, right? It's like somebody tries you in prison or somebody's doing something in prison, you let it be known it's not gonna be going that way. You said the last I, thing with those guys who were throwing up the sign is because they let one of their partners get killed. What, 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 what like explain that. Because they, uh, they was actually, they was hiding behind rules that we had, that we had at that time. We had general rules about no no drive-bys, 
no shooting in people's houses and going on. And so the way it was did, they was generally like, okay, the bottom boy go handle that. And they was relying on us to deal with the people because of the way that people had did it. Because we had generally went around. Matter of fact, I had went around. A, I think a little girl had got shot in the leg. And my uncle talked to me and said, man, you need to make these people understand this ain't no, this ain't California. We got wooden houses down here, you know what I'm saying? When, when down here, when, when we hear a car getting rubber, we looking to see what kind of car that is with a good motor like that. In California, they already been trained that when they hear a car getting rubber, the duck and get out the way. So we, innocent bystander, you run toward the car and end up getting shot. And so we went around, went around, talked to different dudes and said, we don't, we don't care about y'all beefs, whatever y'all got to do, y'all do it, but just no more shooting. And it was the bottom boys that were going around doing that. Yeah, no, no, no. we was one going around telling the people that they- No, no, saying you can't be doing drive-by, drive those, because I mean, that's what's kind of happening now. I mean, I was, you know, I was talking to Cardo last night and he, he was saying, you know, he knows like multiple babies that have been, you know, I know even, you know, quick son upstairs, he was saying, you know, there was a baby, I think, involved in that. I mean, it's just, there was, a, I mean, I keep hearing that. There's rules, there's a code, there's, there's- Yeah, there, that there's... wouldn't happen back then because, you know, it was, the groundwork was already laid, man. You don't, you don't shoot from no car, you don't shoot in there. If you got to be with somebody, you get out and y'all handle it. We ain't getting in y'all business. We ain't taking nobody's side, but the perennial, you, if you do shoot out there, then you, subjects of some behavior modification so other than that there you know and people went around and talked to people my thing be my thing basically used to be i understood the importance of prevention me i i, I prefer to go and say hey listen no shooting in no house grab one dude by the neck and shoot him in the leg said do y'all understand how serious i am about this here because i may just be to save five people life by just shooting him in the leg, opposed to when five people get killed, now I got to come back and deal with this situation. Hold, thank God I ain't never had to kill nobody. But my thing is prevention. You know, I don't. I'm not. You know, I don't believe in waiting till the damage been done. Then say, okay, well if he kills somebody, then I'm gonna deal with him. Now I'm, I'm gonna try to convince him that he don't need to do that before he do it. At least that's where I used to be. Mm -hmm. And that, it was always in my mindset was not all the way about being tough or whatever. It was like, okay, how can I stop this from happening? You know, so next week, how can I stop this from happening here? So my mind was always, that's why getting sons, getting people out of every every neighborhood, making them my family, making somebody out there my family so that in the first rule of being a family member of mine is you can't fight each other. So if I got one in every neighborhood, when something come up, then they got to, they got to talk it out. And so that was my solution. I didn't do that to go against no other group or nothing. I was just trying to prevent things before they even happened. Was there any other system? I mean, was there anybody else in Shreveport at that time? The church, the police, the schools? I mean, was there anything else that was sort of instilling, that you felt instilling code, instilling morals, instilling? Well, I mean, like I said, the police at that time, we was, we was, we was punching bags. Low-income neighborhoods, punching bags for the police was, at least back then. Like I said, I, I respect the police who just do his job and do it by the code and everything. Because I don't, you know, because I don't just respect no uniform that you got a blank uniform on and you're not respecting the integrity of that uniform, then you want me to respect it. 
But if you do your job and respect it, then we we never had no problem with that. But they wasn't doing that then. They come in, the, they come in those low income areas. They know they can get away with whatever they want to get away with, and they take advantage of that. You know, they get all macho, and they especially when they yeasting each other on, and they acting tough and going on. So we didn't have that. And as far as the the pastors and ministers at that time and going on, they did they preaching at the church house. They wasn't they wasn't street they wasn't street preaching. They didn't go out. You have a few people every now and then may have a revival and on certain areas, a lady used to come down there, she used to call us her baby. She used to sell sandwiches and stuff and going on because she know nothing gonna happen to her down there because we respected old folks. She'll come down there and she'll preach to us, but generally most Pastors back then, they 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 preach in the church. They preach in the church. They didn't come out in the streets to where the people were. They they preached to their people in suits. If, and if you didn't have no suit on, and you went to their <laughs> church, and you know you wasn't worried their or their attention. We talked yesterday about you know your time locked up. How how can you guys have an effect, and what is it that y'all are trying to do? Um, I think one of the things that we're working on and um is uh we're trying to bring light to the injustice in our justice system, the corruption, because um, I think, Bam, you know, we both believe that you have to have prisons. You have to have places to put bad people. I'm sure there's some people, you know, that you wouldn't want to stay in your neighborhood around your family, kids. They need to be put somewhere. They call Angola prison here in Louisiana the, uh, it was the prison capital of the world. And if we go to the history of it, um, the history of Angola, it was a plantation before. So once you have uh, desegregation, you lose a big part of the workforce. You know, so now you- And that was a working prison. I mean, it still is a working prison. And, and, and it's, it's a, and it, so it never stopped being slavery. The way things are designed, they're automatically designed for the economical rewards or effect of prison more than the rehabilitation or the humanitarianism, just like in, Prisons, one of the deciding factors on where they're going to build a prison, what state they're going to build a prison is, is the SAT, SAT scores of the children. Hmm. Now, if you see that many children make, make an SAT, low SAT scores enough that you can go build a prison, that you can house them, that you plan on housing them at, why don't you take that and try to find some way to help them children get, get back to right, you see what I'm saying? Instead of building a place for them to make a workforce out of. But when you got there, that's why in our program right now, I, I, we, we geared with love toward these children. We can't hate these children. If you're doing this shooting going on, we still love you and we want to stop you from doing this shooting and stuff going on. Now we got to love you enough to find out what it takes to help you stop this shooting. You know what I'm saying? We can't hate you enough that we just want to lock you up. You do 10 years, you come back out and you still shooting. We gonna love you enough to change your mindset you know, if you're leading with hate, if you're acting out of hate, it's not going to get you anywhere. It's not going to get gonna you. Come gonna, it's going to come back around and bite you. It's going to come back around and bite you. And I ask this respectfully, man. Like, have you acted with hate in your life? Every every time I try, every time that I constantly try, even when I wake, when I was in penitentiary, I wake up and I used to say, okay, I got to do this him. So what am I reason for doing it? Because I used to ask God sometimes. I said, okay, if I'm doing it just for myself, then that don't check the boxes. Why? Well, you're doing this him because if this dude keep moving the way it is, you just finna touch him up. But if you, if he keep on the way he going, he's finna end up somebody gonna kill him. So maybe he'll learn something from this. It always had to be that. Or else with the way this guy here is going, he's finna cause a, a race war or he finna cause 
a war and we got homeboys doing their legal work. We got homeboys close to go home. It's going to be five or six men lose their life behind his stupidity. So that's got to stop mm. right now. Mm. And my reason, it's always, it always try to be, I don't try to go in anger, which I probably have got mad sometime in the process. But my general idea of thinking, when I think about it, because I, when I go to sleep at night, I always replay everything that happened that day in my head, anything that I miss. But when I look at a situation and I feel like I didn't address it right and I feel like I overdid it, I come back and try to make up for it mm. on the slide. And, you know, I ain't going to kiss they behind, but mm -hmm. I come back and let them know, yeah, man, I'll live rough on you. Well, what's going on? What's, what you need here? What you need there? So I, I, I come back on that. But I always try to make my decision on the fact that is it going to help him? Is he going to save his life because the way he's going, somebody's going to kill him. We had an incident with um, one of our homeboys. He, he got on the door and said, Serenio. Serenio, he said some wild stuff about him. They was Serenio finna marry uh, on TV, finna marry this, uh, this black chick. And, uh, and he talked so bad about the black chick and everything going on that he I mean, he was just disrespectful on the door. And all these dudes, all of them I know, Psycho, Gasolino, all them, every last one of them dudes had, you ain't gonna pretty much get the ADX except like me, but everybody else down there, you didn't kill two sellers at least, or them kill one seller. What, to get to Supermax? Yeah, yeah, to get there, yeah. So you ain't just, you know, it. you don't just get there. Baby, baby Faye, well, he had to kill three, but, these dudes here, all of them had bodies in prison. And these dudes come out and they lined up. They lined up. They ready. You know, bam, we ain't trying to disrespect. Listen, man, I said, I understand, y'all. We got this here and going on. Then we dealt with the dude, but we dealt with him not to death, but to teach him a lesson. And that dude, God be my witness. I seen that dude two years later, man. He said, man, I didn't know. I didn't know that was, that was them dudes. And he called out the name. He said, yeah, I've been hearing about them dudes, man. I, I didn't know that was then when I was saying, he said, man, I thank you, bam, man. I said, man, I'm trying to go home, man. I ain't got, he said, man. And I said, I said, yeah, man. I said, that's re that's basically the reason why I did that, man. Cause you sitting there, you putting yourself in a situation. Them dudes ain't got nothing to lose, man. You just saying something to sound slick on the door and being disrespectful toward them dudes that they race. And that, that ain't cool at all, you know? And so sometimes you, you have to do it for the person on good or for the environment on good. You know what I'm saying? But I, I try not to, like I said, I try not to let hate be the leading factor. You know, I'm only human though, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember, I tell you what, the, the preacher dude tell me, said, why you care so much about the, about the uh, guys who out there doing all the you? And my question to him was, why don't you care enough about them? That's the, that's the question. You know what I'm saying? You're, you're a pastor, man. How, how, how can you not have love in your heart? These cheer, you know what I'm saying? These somebody children and going on. They That's make right. they making mistakes and going on, they going on. And unfortunately, it's people, some people dying for it. And the best thing we need to do is get to them people and talk to them kids, man, and and cause they men's and they ain't dumbest. We have to show them where it's not it's beneficial to you not to handle this situation this way. You know what I'm saying? Look at what I done lost. I lost 27 years of my life and I come out here, I'm the dumbest dude in the room now. Everything in change. That, that's not a cool way to be. Everything, every everywhere I go, where the bottom used to be, which bottom is ideology now in our hearts and in all over the world. But still, when I go to places I used to hang out at, it ain't nothing but 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 grass and weeds. 
So time don't stand still for you. Don't go in jail and think you're going to come back out and then time going to stand still and you're going to pick up where you left out because it don't exist like that. My record in, in penitentiary does not show you no model inmate. I fought against things that I thought was wrong. I stood up against things. I got gas and going on. If they put me in a situation that was wrong, I, I fought and I stood on it. And I come out here and do the same thing. So I, I wasn't, I'm, they done broke me to the point that I'm coming out here and saying what I'm saying. I'm saying what I'm saying because it makes sense. And I, and I don't want to see these children instead of be taking lives. And, well, they're not taking a life. They ain't doing nothing but exchanging a life because this person died and you go to jail the rest of your life. You ain't took nothing. You ain't walking away clean free. When a person is committed to what he's doing. That's right. Unbending. Whether it's murder or what is this and that there, he's going to be good at it. He's going to put his heart into being good at it. So if you can find something else for him to put his heart into, he's going to be good at that too. Some of these guys who, who I was around who were a good friend of mine and I trust them with my life, got 33 bodies and going on like that. But their mindset now is they don't, they if, if they had it to do over again, they'll do different. And they also want to help the children to make different decisions going on. They can't take back what they did and going on. But yet still, they would they would change that. And that, that's that's the thing about a place like that. I be in there, I done seen dudes come in there and, and them sons going to come in there and they intelligent, super intelligent. And then in two years, they eating feces off the wall, covering themselves in feces and eating feces off the, off the wall. They eat their food off Why do you think that is? They go crazy because if the brain can't, can't reach outside and connect with something, then it's gonna turn on itself and turn inside. Did you see? Did did it, I seen it? I, did man, you see anything with with yourself that way? Did you did you start to go that what way? What I used to do. What I used to do is number one, I cut off everybody. Do my Bible study. The only person I stayed in contact with was my sister and a friend of mine named Bailey Kid. I had helped a long time ago. Stuck with me through the whole bit, but I would. I had a routine. I get up, watch my cartoon. And, and I read my Bible and I cut off the world. It's like being in a glass sarcophagus. You can see the world, but you can't affect it in no fashion. So you, it's basically, you put yourself through hell because you can see everything going on, but you can't touch it. You know what I'm saying? So by you seeing, that's like the old dude said one time, uh, if you're going to lock me up forever, take my winner too, because I don't want to see what I'm missing. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? That's the same thing with me. I don't want, I can't. You know, if my daughter called me and said, hey, this happened, this happened here, what I'm going to do? I'm going to walk around an eight by 10 cell and get mad. So so there's nothing I do. So I, I don't need to hear that. I don't need to, because that ain't do nothing mess up my bed. And then I'm going to be the zapped out because now my brain going to be trying to figure out ways that I can help her. Then I'm going to start faulting myself because you can lie to a lot of people, but you can't lie, lie to yourself. When you sitting in that cell, everything that you... The situation you said, you said, oh, come on, man. I know I, I should have did that better. Oh, I didn't have to do that that way. You go through that with yourself, and you got to forgive yourself for those things. If you don't forgive yourself for those things, it'll eat you up and drive you crazy. So you have to look at the thing and say, okay, I was who I was then, but I'm going to be somebody different now. But I should have did that better, and now I will do that better if I get another opportunity. But you can't lie to yourself and say, well, I did that because of... Uh, he was finna swing at me and going on. Cause when you replay it back and everything, you can see, man, that dude wasn't finna swing at you. You was just mad and you did that going on. So you have to, and if you lie to yourself, then your brain gonna start enough, start playing game with you. Now you ain't gonna be able to bleed nothing. You ain't gonna be able to bleed nothing you say.
And so you always keep it real with yourself. Hey, man, you know, yeah, I shouldn't have did that, you know, but that's behind me now. Forgive myself for it. Let's get on and do this here and make sure I don't do it no more. And like me, when I make mistakes because I like chocolate and whenever they have something that I like, if I if I do something, then I punish myself by not eating it, not eating whatever I like. Like what? Like give me an example of that. Like if they have, I love chocolate, so if they have chocolate cake, and I didn't cuss because, as you see, I generally don't use profanity. If I didn't cuss, then cussed and been in the conversation because I don't, I don't like, I don't like to argue. I don't like myself to argue. So sometimes we are direct, you know. Most of the time inside we had to talk with sign language, but out there we direct. We can talk through the, through the fences or, or over the wall. So if I get in a conversation and, and get a little heated, come on, because it take me like three days to calm down when I get mad. That's why I don't like to get mad. So I'll come back in. And next good thing they have, I take it, I take it out of the play and smash it up and throw it away. Cause that's my punishment for lying myself. So that make me think twice about doing it again. So I, 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 I try to make it a habit of punishing myself because I know I ain't gonna lie nobody else to do it. So I check myself to keep somebody else from have, having to do it. And that used to kind of keep me pretty much, pretty, I ain't, it didn't keep me straight, it kept me sane though. Hey man, uh, Sean, what you 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 got anything else that you wanna you wanna talk about, man? Um, people don't understand like how early you know what I mean. Like this, uh, as far as Bam, um, we're talking about thirteen years old. You uh, you robbed that that store, and when he told me that, I'm like, man, I was thirteen. You know what I mean? Well, you know what I mean? I was playing with Legos and shit, <laughs> and I'm like. No, I was helping mom get some rent money. So if you know, and I think that's a you know, I mean, just to. He was just so advanced, you know what I mean? Like I don't, I don't know how to explain it. Um, but the story where he actually robbed a, uh, it was a convenience store, a liquor store. Yeah, yeah. no, it, it was, it was a regular, little corner store. But we, uh, I heard the man in there talking about telling the police that the alarm, if the alarm go out more than twice, it's just a rash chewing through there. I was getting my grandmother some green, so I come back up there with a pot and looked it over. And we jiggered the thing, jiggered it three times. Police came two times, didn't come it in. But it's a big old drop down there. So I had to get a get a bag, get get a pillowcase and tie a scrag on the pillowcase and I had to take the take the pipe, go down the pipe and then get on get on the on the desk where the cash register at and then you get off there. So I get on the pipe so I get the screwdriver, get in the cash register and I grab all the money, but when you pop it open He's got the money under there and some rings and stuff. I guess the dudes buying rings for people in the neighborhood or where they was pawning and whatever. So I grabbed all that out and I just went on start throwing everything in the pillowcase. Then start grabbing the most expensive liquor I could and put it in my pillowcase. Then I get out of it and I went home. And I get in my room. My brother come back there. Like, what, what you got there, boy? Let me see what you got here and going on. So I gave him, gave him his cut. And then he looked through the, the ledger. He like, man, where you get this from? I said, oh, I got that on the case. He said, man, you got to take this back. I said, man, I'm not finna go break back in no store and I just already. He said, no, dude. He said, man, listen, this belongs to the mob, man. It's got too many names in it. He said, you got to take this back now. He said, I'll go with you. This son's going to scare, he scared, he scared to death of mm. burglary. He went back with me. He went back with me and I climbed down. He said, put that Jimmy exactly where you got it from. 
and I put it back on the in the cash register where it was. For the last, so, yeah, that's, that's that's wild to me. Last six months, I next six months, I was peeping at every car pad by. <laughs> well, look, man, I, I I just I appreciate the time, man, and and it, it is uh, I you know. It's an honor to be in both of y'all's presence, you know, and, and, and bam, thank you, man. I just, I just appreciate it. Is there anything else you feel like you want to say or, or talk about? Uh, no, nah, man, I just like to get these things started, man. So I can try to be able to help some of these children, man, not to make the same mistake I made, man, you know. These, I know they smarter than me and maybe they'll be able to show me. Mm. I think I like it very much. Mm. I'm hoping, you know, I'm hoping this, this documentary, uh, that we're working on, um, Hell on Earth. I hope it could it could open some eyes. You know what I mean? I'm hoping that, like, when I look back and I'm old and I'm playing cards, I can see her and say, "Yeah, man, we helped crack the Thirteenth Amendment." Or you know, if society is better, or you know, what I mean, you know, or willing is better, we'll be able to sit back and say, "Man, we helped shape," you know, some of that. To me, that's that's you know, what I mean, I think that's a big deal because I mean, uh, a lot of us suffer, man. It's like the you know. I love this. I love this country. I love uh, the freedom that we have, but um, there's still room room for improvement. You know, what I mean, I think I think we could have a. You know, I'm optimistic that we can have a good society, even though it looks like it's going to hell. But that's what we're here for. And, and I think, bam, is that uh, no pun intended? He's that hammer. You know, what I mean, um, <laughs> you know, I think that's why. You know, I told him when he got out. I was like, this. I was like, man, God, you, you, uh, you, you, uh, you must owe God some money or something. You know, I'm like, he's in. He's in debt to some higher power. We, you know, we gotta. You know, we must have to do something. We must got some work mm. to do. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, man. I mean, that the, the thing that keeps coming. I mean, I hate to say because I, you know, I'm I'm really interested in like what you regret or like what you. But and it keeps coming back. It's just every. It seems like every decision you've made has been not impulsive that 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 it has been thought out and it has been in the name of i mean yes looking at from some you i'm I'm not gonna sit here and say you ain't done nothing wrong man because i i don't know you know i hear what you i hear what everybody's saying and who am i to say what's wrong what's you right have to. you playing the cards that you're dealt but to me you you, you know but you got to make it look not to cut you off but you, yeah, got, you to, got to make it look impulsive I, you know like if i go up on i ain't gonna call the street but if i was up on the street sometime and somebody may took off running and i shoot to miss them, but when I shoot to miss them, boy, you talking about, boy, I raised so much hell, like I'm so mad that I miss them. And that, that, and people looking like, man, you see how mad Bam is? He, he wanted to dude. kill that dude. He wanted to kill that dude all the time. I tried to miss him on purpose. Of course. But I followed through, it's the follow through that they buy, and therefore that, then they take you real, real serious. Mm -hmm. That means you actually have to put in less work. So I used to use that to my advantage mm -hmm. to make them think I was, Real may do anything and, and, and was a little overzealous in some of the stuff I was doing, but I used to try to think a lot of stuff out. Yeah, yeah. What what happened to get you out? Like how did you how did you ultimately get out? Like like how did that happen? Because that was well, it's I had I had the lawyers from the number one. I had the lawyers who, who worked on my case because I I caught more time while I was in there. I had lawyers working on the case, but they had kept turning me down for every everything that would come up, they would turn me down for it because of my last 10 years of, of, of negative conduct. But the last 10 years, I had been fighting a battle because I wasn't 
hurt the hurt the guy that the mental patient. And I told him I said I don't hurt old folks a mental patient. The dude is a mental patient. So now they when they couldn't get me to drop the lawsuit, they would systematically just come in there gas and, you up and gas me up and everything because they had to make it look like I was still to be violent. So they'll come and just gas me up. So they used that to send me to what's called. So my lawyers was arguing that hey, hold on, those last ten years that y'all that he got. We don't know about what he did before then. We 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 put him up. We got records to show. Those we got videos and records to show. The old last ten years, he been he wasn't doing nothing. He be sitting in the cell reading. And next thing you know, they'll come to him, and they'll gas him. We got the video proof and everything. So they argued with that. They wrote my judge a letter and everything, and they and and under the on under one of the charges I got the extra time for. They argued that for me that uh you can use necessary force to save inmate life or staff life if it's if it's in danger. And I caught two years when the officer was choking a guy. He already had the guy in restraints and everybody was around and shouting to him and the guy had asthma and he was just there to choking the guy and I seen the guy eyes start buzzing and tongue so I hanging out in mouth so I told him three times, You're killing him man, come on, turn him loose, you're killing him going on. You just get the and then I see that he was killing the dude, so I just started hitting him. I got two years for that plus. Did you get him to stop choking him? Yeah, yeah. The dude, dude mama wrote me a letter, said that he said I saved his life. She she sent me a card, said that uh, he said that he was gone. And then all of a sudden he heard a couple of loud clacks and then he could breathe again. But because they got this rule in place, that, that mean I was within my right to use that. But they said, okay, then well, what about to be found two knives in his cell? So they went on that. But anyway, long story short, they, they got together with my with my lawyers then Larry Hoover, he filed a paperwork. Uh, he filed that he did my, my co-defender Dunn used to do all my paperwork. When they had me in restraint stuff, he always because I had everybody case. Every every charge all my co-defendants got, I had they charge. Though I was responsible for their charge. So I got enhanced, I got everything for their charge. So whatever whenever they file something, they could file it on my behalf too, because I could adopt a brief. So Dunn would always File stuff on my behalf, and so they uh, when they write the they were writing the judge and everything, Larry Hoover, he he filed the last stuff for me after my co-defendant left. He started doing my paperwork for me, and uh, he filed the last stuff for me. And then my lawyers got on top of me and was showing them, "Now you looking at this disciplinary record, but this is not him. This is just he haven't he haven't been doing this. All he did was refuse to f refuse to uh hurt another inmate, and he won't drop the lawsuit." Therefore, that's why he being punished like that. Why does Larry Hoover help you out? Because y'all are friends? He's a sharp man and he's a good man. Wayne Perry, all them dudes, Jeff Ford, those guys, who they was back in the past and going on, those dudes are intelligent men now who want to change their community. I know the people don't never want to let them out, but the man, if they was to let that man out, the things that he want, the people that would listen to him yeah. and the changes that he could make, with with the people that listen to him under the GD man, cause the man, you know, everybody ain't gonna listen, you know, everybody he been gone so long. But thing is, his ideology, he he's sharp, and his ideology is he he want his people to grow, he want his people to exist, he want them to do positive stuff. He don't want he want the kids to do, he don't want them kids going out there doing that crazy shooting. He he's not with that. He he he's he's being in mind to do, you know, he ain't no punk or nothing, but he just know it don't make sense now. And if he was to get a chance to have a voice, then I think he'd have a big impact on a lot of stuff. Even with, 
Wayne Perry had a, a, a sip, and he got a he changed his name to he got another name. But still, even him, they don't be want to let him go to the compound. If that dude go to a compound, he he ain't had a shot in fifteen years. If he go to compound, that dude gonna keep more trouble down. He he didn't, he didn't talk to me too many times, but he didn't got on the drain and told me, listen, man, you. Uh, come on, bam. You know, hey, that's that old rookie there. He's just looking for some mess, man. Just, just hold up and talk to Pernod tomorrow. Dude, and talked me down several times. So he ain't with that foolishness as they portray him to be. Yeah, he caught them thirty-three bodies back in the days and going on. But he's a whole. He was like that. That's he been locked up like twenty-eight years, and most of that been up in, up in ADX. You know, just cause of his name, they they won't. You know. And the dude Martinez who, who who just got killed there, he he let, he was there one while. So, yeah, he, they just you know it's. Hopefully, I'm not who I used to be, and I definitely know they're not who they used to be, and they 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 got my respect. They got my respect not over how dangerous they are, but how sharp they are, and the fact that they want to make a change. That's why even some of the stuff I'm doing now, I think about they always saying if they had the opportunity, what they would do. So I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try to do it for myself and them too. Yeah. Well, right on. I wish y'all, I wish y'all the best of luck, man. It's an honor to be on the journey with you. Man. Oh yeah, man. It's, it's it's good to finally meet you after the ten years. Yeah. Yeah. Ten years waiting, you didn't disappoint me. Mm. I appreciate you sure yourself didn't disappoint me either, man. I appreciate your time, man. Thanks, y'all. All right, appreciate it, John. Appreciate you guys.